Hello, this is Brian. And this is John. And we are on episode, what is this, four of the Big Balance Podcast. Episode four sounds about right in my book. There we go. We're getting some numbers on here. Yeah, we're starting to, we're, we're putting on the putting on the pounds, if you will. Indeed. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. So, Brian, how has your week been? It has been good. Uh, and for for those listening at home, um, we're, we've shifted to a, a nighttime recording, so doing this after bedtime, and it's a bit rough. Uh, I gotta say, trying to trying to get into the the frame of mind to do this after a day of work, and then you know cooking and taking care of the house, and then putting the kid to bed and, and coming here. I I like to think this is a reprieve from our our daily lives, uh, the normal day to day or day in and day out hustle and bustle. But there is some work that goes into it. I, I hear you there. It's a, it's a different mind space, at least, and that's always a good thing. Yes, yes. At the very least, I'm, I am in my, my space to where Brian and I are, are chatting. Whether right or wrong, a lot of us look up to, and in some extreme cases, idolize celebrities and the celebrity status. On the whole, there isn't anything inherently wrong with this, and it even makes sense. These are people we see plastered on screen, in TV and social media ads, movies and sports, entertainment, everything in between. And while we can speculate ad nauseum why we do this, I think a big piece of it lies in the fact that these people are doing for a living what many of us view as a hobby. What I mean is, many of us are sports fans and even play in rec or beer leagues, or some of us might even participate in local acting troops or a playhouse, some of us dabble in light poetry or have a book club. In any event, what I'm getting at is these people of celebrity status often can do things that we wish we can do for a living. And in some cases, it's how they make most of their money. But there's still some value in pursuing our hobbies, even if we can't quit our day jobs. Taking a look at some, quote, successful celebrities who may have talent that have brought them wealth or even naturally gifted and have multiple talents. Examining how they harness the power of their talents and hobbies, and some of the advantages or opportunities that may bring them, we can do the same for ourselves. And in even certain cases, it may lead to a fulfilling life or second life, if you will. So Brian, let me ask you this. Um, do you have a favorite celebrity or or a favorite? Um, we'll call it a personality of some sort. I, you know, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm somewhat odd, bit of an oddball in the sense that I don't necessarily follow a lot of celebrity culture, and it's it's even a weird phrase to me, celebrity culture. So not really. What I will say is. I still listen to bands that I listened to back when I was younger and without dating myself. It's weird to see a lot of middle-aged people where in my mind they're still mid-20s. So I guess that's something. And I think you bring up an excellent point as far as celebrity culture. And I, and I think that's a great way to put it because it really is a culture. And I kind of want to use actors and celebrities as kind of to frame this episode a little bit. So 
if I'm going to pick someone uh, who I would have considered myself a fan of at one point in time, I'm going to pick somebody like a Ryan Gosling or even to go back a little further, maybe like a Marlon Brando or somebody like that. But that type of actor, the somebody who kind of embodies, we'll call it cool. I, um, I love man Brando. He he makes the transition from from stage to uh, to 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 cinema really nicely too. He does, he does, and that's a that's a great example. What was it? Shrikar uh, named Desire was his, you know, one of his early roles that was both uh, stage and film. And for anybody listening, if I'm completely wrong, I apologize. He was he's also very big in in the Shakespearean scene as well. Using Ryan Gosling as my example, um, I think he's an interesting example for today's topic because what I know of him outside of his acting is for you know his music, actually, funny enough. So to go back to the whole band motif, um, he actually has a band um, or had a band. I'm not sure at this point, admittedly. I don't really keep up with it, but they were called Dead Man's Bones. And they were, you know, cool. I thought they had somewhat of an indie following and I liked the sound and I liked the music. But the reason I bring this up because... High school me, college me was supremely jealous of the fact that this guy, Ryan Gosling, was not only the epitome of cool, he was acting, he was doing music for a living, and in my high school, college brain, this was the absolute pinnacle, the epitome of cool. And I thought to myself, here is this guy doing two things that most people would kill to do. But the reason I share this story is because he was somebody who was pursuing a hobby that likely didn't make him tons of money especially compared to his acting career. So the question is, you know, why did he do something like that? And I can only assume that he enjoyed it. Uh, how, how cool was high school John Sepsi, by the way? High school John was a, not as cool as he thought he was, I should say. <laughs> um, I know you don't watch a lot of television, and myself included, I don't watch a lot of reality television. Uh, but do you watch Shark Tank at all? I have, and that that's a fun show. And I enjoy it. I, I a, do think it's fun. That's a boiler room crucible situation. Though. I feel bad for a lot of people who go on there with just crazy ideas, but no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so can you tell me anything, or do you know anything about Mark Cuban, one of the sharks on the show? Uh, I know he is incredibly wealthy, I, and, and this, is, this is me with my absolute bare minimum knowledge of sports. I think he owns, I want to say, a basketball team. You are right. You're correct. Nice. And I know he was in a little dicky video for like two seconds. The reason I bring up Mark Cuban is because I think he's somebody that in, in the, the zeitgeist of pop culture, a lot of folks know who he is. He's one of the Sharks on Shark Tank. He is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. So you, you were correct. Basketball. But prior to his career as a celebrity, he had uh, an interesting background. Started as a bartender, worked his way into sales, got into software and software reselling at uh, a pretty early, early on, I should say, before the dot com, uh, the dot com bubble burst. Um, he was actually fortunate enough to get out of that. But by the time he had separated himself from that, I think it was into telecom a little bit as well. But the reason I bring him up is because he is somebody who has kind of established himself as a personality kind of firmly in pop culture. And I think that personalities like him are pretty interesting to examine when we look at what we'll call quote unquote talents. He's somebody who has attached himself with not only athletics, um, but also entertainment and, and business ventures for that matter. So being on Shark Tank, clearly he's somebody who's looking to invest. And I've seen some examples of the investments from that show you know, 
be successful. But I think he's a, a good example of somebody who has, we'll say, diversified. And I think that's something you'll hear a lot. And I always joke back to, um, you know, different, <laughs> an old Chappelle show skit where it was the Wu-Tang describing how to diversify, diversify your savings and diversify your portfolio for, for Wu-Tang's uh, financial services. But when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about celebrity and celebrity personalities and more so their skills and how they kind of marry the idea of not only skills, but also personalities and how that can really speak to our hobbies and how our hobbies can speak to our personalities. So stick with me here. If you stick around after the break, we can talk a little bit how we can do the same thing in our daily lives and our work lives. With social media playing such a huge part in not only our personal lives, but it's also affecting how business is done, it's no wonder why so many of our world's billionaires are some of the most polarizing personalities as well. Using folks like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, or even the Waltons of Walmart as an example, we as consumers and even workers for these companies are more aware than ever of our company heads' personal lives. Using Elon as the example, he's certainly ruffled some feathers with his eccentric personality, but I often wonder if it's his eccentricity that has impacted you know, his business profile and actually maybe contributed to his wealth. We look at Tesla oftentimes as kind of a meme in, in, some, of the, in some of those regards, but if anything, we've seen that they're still successful. So regardless how we really feel about, you know, the everyday hobbies and skills and talents of our world's billionaires and company heads, they certainly have these hobbies and these skills and these personalities. They play a huge part into their personal brands. And that's something I think we as individuals, as the workers, as the people really you know, churning here, that's something we can do too. You don't really need a huge platform or some huge nest egg to really begin building that brand of yours. So, the question is, how do we as individuals really do something like this? How do we build our personal brand? How do we take that hobby or that skill and really have it built into who we are as, as an individual? So the first step you can really do is ask yourself, do you have that hobby or skill that you can apply at work? Do you have a knack for some graphic design or visual presentations, but most of your job focuses on data entry or spreadsheets? Is there any way that you can look for opportunities to build out more presentations. An example I can give is building out some internal trainings or programs for any initiatives that you have. If I've learned anything through my years of working in consulting and, and giving client presentations, it's really that, the importance of a presentation. And visuals play a huge part into that. And if you find yourself wishing that you could go in and maybe edit some of your boss's presentations before they're presented, maybe it's time that you ask yourself, is it time that I start maybe offering, you know, services or time that I start volunteering for maybe plus one or plus added task of any sort? Brian, let me ask you something. Is there anything like that that we've done or anything that you may have volunteered for that you didn't wish you volunteered for as an example, maybe as a point counterpoint in here? 
My first real job out of college was a sales gig, and it was for a, a pretty small outfit. And it was small, but we were successful, and, and we grew pretty quickly. One of the first, I don't know, I guess you would say uh, promotions that I got was into training new employees. So for every new person that came in, they would spend a couple of days with me kind of learning the ropes and, and understanding sales and sales strategy. Well, years later, I haven't been really, I'm, I'm somewhat involved in sales at our company, but it's it's not my role. But something that is part of my role, and John, you know this, is training mm-hmm. programs. So yes. something that I had gotten involved in just because there was a need at that first fledgling company has really followed me throughout my career. And to this day, I'm still you know, building training programs for either our company or our clients. I think that's a great example. And not to really name drop anybody from our company as well. There's somebody that we work with and we'll call them Oscar for the, for the sake of this conversation, they had experience in their previous life doing just that training programs and building training programs. And I've heard them mention more than once how often they wish they could really insert themselves into how we onboard clients and set them up for different types of training programs. And I think that's actually a really great example of something that you could maybe volunteer for or take an initiative to create some type of program for your organization if you feel passionate about that. And I think that's the the operative word there is if the passion is there. Another thing I want to take a look at or another example we will and pardon me for just keep using these entertainment examples, but somebody who's going to be in the news in the coming weeks, in the coming months, because of something outside of their normal skill, we'll say, is LeBron James. LeBron James has been getting his feet wet and acting lately, and I have to say, frankly, I'm here for it. I really enjoyed his work in Trainwreck, the Judd Apatow movie, and I actually recommend that film to most. I thought he was hilarious, and I thought his uh, take on himself was uh, very funny. But the point I want to make here is typically acting and basketball don't always go hand in hand. I'm sure LeBron has plenty of opportunities that I never would have, but really boils down to finding those opportunities for yourself. I'm sure that there have been you know, calls for different ads or different sponsorships, but not a lot of them would present themselves as quote unquote acting opportunities up front. But with a platform like LeBron and his star power, he can find those opportunities and it makes it a lot easier to find. But If that's something that you want to do, if you want to be in front of camera or on stage, you can find some local opportunities and you may be surprised at some of the local filmmakers or actors that are available in your area, things like actors labs and things like that, or improv groups. Uh, So sidebar, Brian, any interest to be in front of the camera? Absolutely not. (laughs) I I have a face for radio and I've come to terms with that over the years. That's funny because it's a good thing we're doing a podcast. Exactly. The point I want to make here is that if you go out and find these opportunities, you'd be surprised at how many of them actually exist. Uh, If you're working for a small business or a small organization, the opportunity to really get involved in the marketing aspect or the sales aspect, you'd be surprised at how easy that may be just by inserting yourself into certain conversations. But the point here is really to be your authentic self and to really let your freak flag fly. So bring it full circle here using our examples of people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Um, 
or or even LeBron James. It's letting people know who you are in an authentic self and using that to your advantage, building that personal brand. And one thing I do want to talk about here, and Brian, this is something that you and I have contemplated in the past, but really building that brand on social media outside of things like Facebook and Twitter, but LinkedIn as well. How do you build that personal brand? And again, not to put you on the spot here, but Brian, do you have any recommendations to the listeners out there as things that you can do to start building your personal brand? Yeah, I, I think the, the and, and first and foremost, like you mentioned, this is something that we need to learn and we need to get better at with this podcast. But first and foremost, I, I think the number one thing as an amateur kind of looking in that I find successful on my end is thinking about how you leverage a network because there really is a right and a wrong way to do it. Did I ever tell you about the first job I was offered out of college? Uh, no, I can't say. If, if you have, I'm sorry if I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was an insurance sales gig. Um, and the first thing this company did was send new recruits basically this field guide on essentially how to pester your friends and family into buying insurance from you. Oh, that feels that feels gross already. Yeah, it did. And I, to be honest, I never even made it to my first day. The whole thing had a, a real bad vibe feel to it. And I just didn't show up. And I went in and found a new first job. Um, <laughs> but the, the reason that it felt like it had that bad vibe was, was the intent. It was basically chalking up my personal network, nothing more than you know dollar signs, and that's that's the wrong way to do it, right? The right way is developing relationships for their inherent value. So you know the value we put into a relationship is just as important as what we get back. And if you don't go that route, if you really just engage a network or an audience in terms of what can you do for me or how can I use these people to, to further my goals, that rings really fake and, and hollow. And people recognize that and, and now you're just an annoyance. You're you're not part of a network at that point. So how do you build a network that you can contribute to just as much as you pull from? I think that's a great point as well as being an active contributor. I think that's something that some folks new to, you know, We'll say if we're going to use the side hustle example from episode one or we're going to use maybe pursuing your passions example from here, it's not always about what can you do for me now or what have you done for me lately. It's it's about nurturing those relationships and building upon that to build long lasting relationships. And I think that's something that can be said about business in general, not just sales or, or marketing or whatever, what have you. It could be really any type of long term relationship. So when we're looking at some of our hobbies that might be useful in the workplace or in the office, things like that, maybe skills like writing would be another example. Brian, from what I understand in your free time, you have dabbled in writing? I have, yeah. And so this podcast isn't the, the first iteration of, of kind of a work-related side hustle I was going to do. Uh, this actually started out with another uh, co-worker turned friend, we were actually going to start a blog about the intersection of technology and business. Uh, never really took off. He he decided to go back and, and pursue uh, another degree so he didn't have the free time. But um, that started uh, kind of a, a, a bug in my ear for, for writing. And I just started kind of writing personally shortly after. 
you know, a lot of times uh, either after work uh, or even, you know, during a lunch break or if I'm traveling in the uh, in an airport, just, you know, sitting down and, and putting pen to paper. And it's funny, the the story behind that, I know you've shared that with me before, but really the idea of the intersectionality there was kind of the impetus for this this podcast. And it's what got me thinking as far as what would be something worth not only talking about, but something worth listening to. So uh, for any listeners out there, the idea of building your personal brand, maybe it's a podcast. Maybe if we inspire you to do that, kudos, send us a note, follow us on any social media and give us a shout out and we'll give you a shout out. So we talk about celebrity and and how they're successful at making a lot of these pivots from one career to another. And a large part of that is really you know, making use of capital that they've earned from building a fan base and having that celebrity status. And I think that's that's worth mentioning as well. And mm-hmm. John, have you have you heard the joke about how you and a friend should escape a bear if you're getting chased? No, but please enlighten me. Yeah, long story short, you don't need to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend. I knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I it, still like it. Yeah, and it, as funny as it is, or I guess as tragic as it is, if, if you're the slower friend, I think it speaks to kind of a, a primal part of our brain, right? I, I think people are really hardwired to be very competition-focused. And at the end of the day, what is a celebrity if not somebody who's won a pretty big competition, right? Sure. Uh, so if, if we're interested in observing competitions or even gamifying things that aren't normally competitive, when we look at a celebrity, we, we see something of success in them. You know, there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of athletes vying to be on any given team uh, or musicians trying to get a record deal. And the very act of even succeeding at these long shot competitions is enough to get us interested. And it starts kind of building that narrative. You know, we talk about Mark Cuban. He has a narrative. He has a story. Elon Musk has a story. And I, I think that's something that we have to really build up as well. So when we're talking about what kind of, of hobbies or activities can we do and, and pivot into something more, it's not just having that skill. It's also being able to begin setting down that narrative and, and you know, talking yourself up. And I think that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to do, to kind of pat yourself on the back and not just do that, but do it audibly so other people sure. can, can hear you. Um, but it's a necessary component. And it's not being afraid to to own that personal brand as well. So you you mentioned they all have stories and they worked hard. And I, and I don't think that anybody who is in a position of success is going to deny the fact that it takes a lot of hard work. But to your point, it's how you spin that narrative to, I don't want to sound opportunistic here, but to really tell the best version of your story that you have to tell. And I think that's a, I think that's a great point to make. And it's something that we as individuals can start, start to consider how we tell our stories. And that may mean an elevator pitch. That may mean how you write your bio. That may mean how you write the lead in your, your resume or CV. But these are all things that you want to start considering before you get to the point of drafting because then you might find it's very difficult to put pen to paper. And, and there's a jaded or, or cynical angle to this too. And I, I think everybody's familiar with the, 
the stories of big corporations spending ten grand on a charity and then a million dollars promoting the fact that they gave ten grand to charity, and you know that's no that doesn't leave anybody with good feelings. But you know at the same time, in a, in a less jaded, a less cynical way of thinking, marketing ourselves is always going to be important. If if we want people to listen, if we want people to pay attention, we need to get out there and tell them why they should. Another thing that you somewhat touch on, but I think that we can kind of talk about here is if you had that platform or that that bit of capital to build up that marketing, if you will, maybe taking something that you've already built or something that you've already established and kind of inserting yourself, not in a, uh, we'll call it an uncomfortable way or an overly obvious way, but inserting yourself into another product to to show that there is that interest there. I think there's a, a real difference between a self-insert because there's a, a demand for it and a self-insert because you know that person is just trying really hard to, to pivot where it might feel a bit artificial or, or forced. And I, I think the, the great example, you know, sticking with sports, Madden as a video game is not just successful because it is a football video game. It's successful because you get to play as these teams that you know and love. When we think about movies, you know, I, I'm I'm drawn to two what I would consider kind of parallel or, or competing examples. On the one side, you know, basically every Marvel movie that's been produced in the last decade, there's always a Stan Lee cameo. And I think the fans, you know, don't just look forward to it, they they actively watch out for it. Or they did, we should say. Or they, or they did, right? yes, yeah. correct. Um, now, compare that to M. Night Shyamalan. You know, his movies, you can love them, you can hate them. But I think the one thing that, that always feels weird to me when I'm watching them is he, he always puts himself in as, you know, a bit character, but a character nonetheless. And it it feels a lot more forced. It doesn't feel like it is the, the audience demanding it. It feels like it's just a kind of an artificial insert. I, I think that's a difference for me. And not to give too much of a Homer example here, but um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, one of my favorite shows in, in high school, college, and thereafter, there was a, a Ryan Howard and Chase Utley cameo in one of the ex- episodes and I think we were all asking for it, and I think we were all calling for it. That was an insert that we was very much warranted and very much requested. <laughs> so people who have multiple talents or, or multiple skill sets and really leverage them well, something else that I wish I had the answer to, I wish I had the key to, is it's not just about having the skill or, or having multiple talents. Um, and it's not even just about knowing how to, to network them well. Something else that's that I, I kind of feel is like a secret sauce is what seems to me to be this never-ending pool of energy that they draw from. And show of hands, you know, anybody listening, how many people? My hand is going to be up, by the way. How many people at the end of the day collapse on their couch after work is done, or after the kids are asleep if you have them? versus these multi-talented people who just keep pushing instead of couching it up. And it's like their brains have this reserve battery that kicks in. And I wish I had that. 100% agreed. And Brian, I don't, without, without, uh, in, in, indulging me too much. What, what time do you normally, uh, call it quits at the end of the night? Like what time do you go into bed? 
I mean, I'll I'll go in sometimes as early as ten, sometimes around midnight. Yeah. But I I I tend to uh, to need more hours of sleep. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And as I'm recording this, like you mentioned before, this is a little bit later of a session. On the other side of this wall that I'm recording from, I can almost but guarantee that my fiance is almost asleep on the couch or or oh. cursing you for for being loud while she's trying to no no if anyone if anything she's the loud one right now i hear the music <laughs> <laughs> but no brian so i i think that was a a great a, a great discussion a great chat and as always i appreciate our, our our conversations here and to your point as far as the energy uh, having the the will to do things. Um, sometimes it comes down to passion. Sometimes it, it, it comes down to forcing yourself to do certain things that may not be super easy or that you want to. But just, uh, I, I guess, my advice to the listeners out there and what I tell myself often is that it's all going to be worth it in the end if you're really working hard and working towards a goal or even if you're just working towards a better version of of yourself really for that matter. So um, just keep chugging, keep chugging. All right, there you have it. Another episode of The Big Balance in the books. Brian, appreciate your conversation as always. You as well. And, and uh, I think uh, all said and done, I'm going to try to go to bed now and I'm, I'm going to try to forget the fact that you used the term freak flag earlier today. <laughs> you know what i i watched a, a woodstock documentary the other day and, and maybe that's what did it <laughs> all right well on that note Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.